Hi, and welcome to episode 225 of No Crying in Baseball, the breakfast hockey episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. How are you doing? I'm a little sleepy because I've been all in on Olympic women's hockey, and the games are all either at 8 a.m., which is doable for the weekends, or 11.10 at night as a start time. Ooh which is less conducive to a good night's sleep. But I always called it, you know, hockey from bed because, <laughs> you know, I yeah. need to watch hockey on the biggest screen available to me. And that is my actual television, which is in my bedroom. So, you know, I, I, you know, turn it on in my pajamas, in my bed and watch it till I fall asleep. And then in the morning I hit the go button and there I am still in my pajamas, still in bed. I do have to leave to get to the coffee maker, which I have set on auto the night before. So the coffee is ready for me. So I can just go get coffee and go back up and watch. But yay, USA women are totally rocking. Canadian women also rocking. So tomorrow night um, for us, because we're recording on Sunday. So I'm telling you right now, um, the 11 o'clock p.m. game is the is the um, preliminary round USA-Canada game, which Ooh. is going to be the best game of this preliminary Round. Wait, so everyone else is getting slaughtered. Some, what night? Monday night? Monday night. Okay. Monday night. Um, so yeah, so listeners will already know how that turned out. Um, that's the last game in their preliminary round, and then they go to the round that determines medals after that. Oh, cool. I have I've but, I better start paying attention fast. Yeah. The nice thing that I'm hearing though, this is a little bit of cross training. I'm starting yeah. with a little bit of cross training as it turns out, is that it's not Although there are the same women like Hillary Knight and, you know, Amanda Kessel and people who have played Olympics after Olympics on this team, there are also one of the countries has a 16 year old. The, I think wow. the USA team youngest person is a 19 year old. But, you know, girls are coming up in hockey now. It gets so much more widely available to girls to play on girls teams, too, and not just be like the one girl on the boys team. And they've been talking about that a lot, about the opportunities, how they're growing and all of that. And they've got all these pictures of, you know, the players when they were younger, admiring or wearing the jerseys of women players. Mm. So like, you know, there were women players of the right age when they were young, they could see it, they could be it stuff. And it's really nice to, to finally feel like we're getting there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. So what do you got going on? I'm not sure what I have going on, but uh, since last week, I for I totally forgot until our episode dropped last week that I had put a challenge out there with my last baseball boyfriend, Kevin Padlow, that I did that, right. that plagiarism from uh, MLB bio info. And I asked folks, you did a dramatic reading, right? <laughs> That's the way to spin a dramatic it. reading. And I, so I asked folks, which was the, the characteristic baseball boyfriend characteristic that did not match me. And it turns out that Karen Martin just wins everything. No crying in baseball. This is our, our winner from last year's fantasy baseball boyfriend league. And like within moments, she wrote me saying that it, that I was not a country music fan and she even spelled it correctly. So I, that's, that's a little <laughs> potty mouth joke between me and Karen. Um, oh but no. Yeah, yeah. So that, so you nailed it. You got the first one and, uh, and, but there are still some vocal people who want to uh, participate in this year's fantasy baseball league. So there might be some competition down there down the line. All right, so we are assembling that list. Yep. So we're going to remind you again later too. But if you are interested in playing on our fantasy boyfriend baseball league, please get in touch with us. Potty Mouth will tell you how at the end of the show, so we can get you on the list. And as we know how many slots we've got available, we'll take them from the top. 
and uh, and you'll be in and you'll hear from me, the commissioner, because yes, I'm still the commissioner because nobody else wants this job. Right. You're good with rules. You're good with rules enforcement. Uh, <laughs> great. Really? Yeah, sure. That's where we're going? <laughs> How about, I, I guess I am. Damn it. Damn it. Hey, important thing about our recording day of February 6th is we'd like to wish a very happy birthday to our, an occasional guest host, Junior Potty Mouth. This is very exciting for all of us. So I hope you're having a great it's day. It's a kiddo. big one, a major birthday milestone. So happy birthday. Woo. All right. So on today's show, dun, dun, dun. so long, Cowboy Joe. Uh, the CBA negotiations are heating up. Wow. Quite a bit, quite a bit and not in a productive way in a just flash fire hot stuff kind of way. Um, we've got boyfriend news, both the former boyfriend and then also our new boyfriends for the Blue Jays and the Reds. And the Serie del Caribe has a big freaking finish. Oh, yeah. Big freaking finish. So we're going to hear all about those things. But first, but first, Cowboy Joe West, our um, favorite our favorite ump to talk about because there's always something let's say colorful yeah to talk about in the world of umpire joe west um finally has announced his retirement his retirement became official after a record-setting 5,460 games he is 69 years old we won't miss him a lot yeah. but um he was fun to talk about because you know anytime we get to roll our eyes or throw our hands up or you know take a shot in disbelief. That's all good. Um, so a total of five umps officially retired as of this past week and five more were promoted to full-time, including Roberto Ortiz, who was the first Puerto Rican born full-time umpire employed by the league and no women, which is ridiculous. So yeah, especially yeah. with, with five spots open. Yep. Yep. Sure enough. Yeah. Sure but, enough. you know, it's, talking about dislike of Joe West, like everybody has their favorite cowboy Joe West story and why they don't like him. Um, but one of the things he was known for, why he was called Cowboy Joe or Country Joe, was his love of country music. So, you know, see, see above, maybe that was part of my dislike of country music within connections. He recorded, right. he recorded two country music albums. So not just love of country music, <laughs> but saw himself as an artiste. Okay in that category, which also does not appeal to me. So that's sort of an across the board and CIB. Hey, you know, if it's up to you, you do right. you, but we don't ever choose right. it. Not going to be our walk-up song. Not going to be our walk-up songs. Okay. So CBA negotiations, oh um, also known as what's happening during the lockout, both sides met, both sides being the league and the players union. They met on Tuesday and Every single source I read about it referred to it using the word heated. There was a heated meeting on Tuesday. And um, Max Scherzer and Andrew Miller, both members of the executive committee the play representing the players, um, were called out multiple times as being the most vocal. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to see that vocalness. Like, I just – Scherzer – Because they're scary, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they're scary and smart. You know, I don't know. I credit Max Super a smart. lot. And his tweets about it since then, you know, and I, and I wish I had copied it down. Maybe you did later. But it was pretty much that, you know, they're not honoring our requests at all. And we're being reasonable. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So as heated as they were there, the player's voice publicly is united and very strong. More about that in just one second. So on um, Thursday, the league requested that they – move to federal mediation, which both sides have to agree to. And on Friday, the next day, the player said, um, no, 
No. So federal mediation is not about them, a, an outside third party deciding on an outcome. They, so they're not, they're not arbitrators. Right. They are mediators. So they, they are designed to like help move the discussion along. It's more about process than it is about proposing solutions. But the, the um, union's response was on Tuesday, the league said that they they were committing to pr providing a counter proposal. They were going to respond to the things that we talked about on Tuesday. But instead of that, right. they proposed mediation. They threw up their hands and said, we need somebody to help all of this. And the unified statement by the players is the players stand ready to negotiate. Right. And the players are the ones who are taking to social media, which mm -hmm. is where the fans are. Yeah. And they look good. As you pointed out, they look smart. They look reasonable. One of Scherzer's posts was we don't need mediation because what we have proposed is fair to both sides. Yep. We just need you guys to come back to the table and you don't feel seem like you want to do it. Right. So the league in their defense what they said in their defense, I am not defending them. They are saying that mediation would help them start the season on time. You know, that's the only way we'll get this done. Uh, so, well, they can know, just stop. It, it might have gotten done if you hadn't locked. <laughs> right. If you hadn't locked everybody out right. in the beginning of December and then not talked to anybody for six weeks, that could have helped. But no. And the players like, nope, that's a PR stunt. That is like trying to paint the players as not participating in good faith if we don't agree to it. But the players have taken, like I said, to social media to make sure that that is not how the fan base feels about it. So make sure the fan base knows, no, we want to negotiate. Here's what we want. It's reasonable. And they are sticking to the talking points. Those players have had some good training, man. They are sticking to their talking points. Um, one of the reasons. No, I just, I just uh, looked up um, Max's full statement after he did, he did the, we don't need mediation and, and he just lays it out there. And I think the players have been much more clear about what they want then MLB has been very fuzzy about what they want. So he said, we want a system sure. where threshold and penalties don't function as caps, allows younger players to realize more of their market value, make service time manipulation a thing of the past, and eliminate tanking as a winning strategy. And I read that and I thought, that's what Patty's been saying every week for weeks. But what has MLB said that's that coherent and concise and like, this is what we stand for? N nothing, right? Nothing, nothing. They have been like, you know, drops in a bucket that don't get anywhere near actually solving those issues. Yeah. They don't, it's not in their interest to solve those issues. <laughs> that sucks. Why right. would they? They they, they want to kick the can farther right. down the road. They don't care about those things. Why should they be paying more money out of their pockets Ugh. to, you know, what, what? Yeah. So one of the reasons that the players union does not want to involve mediation, even though mediation has been effective for other professional sports mm -hmm. leagues. Players just said last time it got used was the, the last time that the baseball was on strike in 94 and 95, and it didn't help at all. Nothing came to a resolution. It didn't speed things up. It was bad for the players union. So like, there's no way it's a bad taste in our mouth. So we have bad memories of that. Why would we go there? Wow. We have a perfectly reasonable proposal. You just need to do the negotiation. You're not willing to negotiate and you need to be. The owners meet quarterly anyway, and their next scheduled meeting is next week in Florida. So there's a possibility that talks would continue then. Maybe the owners would have their own meetings. I think players union reps are going to be down there. So there, something could move forward next week. So this proposal for a federal mediator that got turned down doesn't actually change anything. That just means we keep going the way we are. We keep using the existing process, which is show up and you know talk it out, work it out. Um, the 
that both sides have continued to meet on the non-economic issues, the things around the edges. So there are ongoing negotiations, but the meaty stuff that we're talking about here um, is just in, in a bad spot right now. There's so no way in hell are things going to start on time. So Ugh. if you're thinking, oh, hey, I want to do this fantasy baseball team, don't worry. You will eventually, <laughs> but you won't need to hurry. You won't need to hurry. It's going to it's going to be a bit. It's going to be a minute. Oh, I don't. It's it's so right. sad. Like even I was talking to my dad just moments before we started recording and he was all excited about the Red Sox. And I was like, you know, just it might not be starting as soon as you think it is. Yeah. I, all things in moderation, Bob. Yep. yep. So we have boyfriends every year. Potty Mouth tell you more about boyfriends. Um, and we still follow our former boyfriends, guys that we've picked in years past. Uh, one of my favorite O's boyfriends who I picked too soon because he blossomed mm -hmm. <laughs> after I picked him. I might not, I might know why this is now. So Cedric Mullins is a former boyfriend of mine from the O's. He announced just this week that back in 2020, he was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. In 2020? Crohn's disease wow. in 2020 is an inflammatory bowel disease. There's inflammation in the GI tract. Mm. It hurts. It hurts a lot. And there's not a cure for this, but there is treatment. So if you're diagnosed for it, you can keep it under control, reduce the pain, reduce the symptoms. So back in 2020, initially he thought it was food poisoning. Right. And then he wasn't sure what it was. He said it started about the same time as Trey Mancini was going into chemo chemotherapy. Wow. So he was like a little bit freaked out thinking, oh, my God. But that made him get things checked out. Right. That made mm -hmm. him get things checked out. And that's when he got his diagnosis. So in the off season after 2020, so all of 2020, he he was playing with this horrible pain. <sighs> right. Um, so in the off season, he had surgery that removed part of his intestines. Um, he unfortunately then had an infection from that, which then had to be treated. So that took a long time. He lost like 20 pounds that he wasn't planning on losing. And then he worked his butt off and ended up in his last season, this past season, he had his all-star season. He was a silver slugger. He made it to the all-star game for the first time. He was amazing. And he was able to do that because he got diagnosed and he got treated and he got the pain under control. And that allowed him to focus back on his job. So he's going public now to get people to say, hey, if, if something doesn't feel right, don't just live with the pain. Don't just walk it off. Find out because if you can treat it, you can turn things around. So um, really proud of former boyfriend Cedric Mullins, which I hadn't picked him too early, yeah. but I guess I feel kind of prescient about that. I was like, oh, I saw it. I saw it. I, I knew he was going to be awesome and he will always be one of my favorite former boyfriends. So yay. Thank you, Cedric Mullins, for all you do. Yeah. And that it's just such a good thing for for people who are suffering from this disease to, to have a public figure to look to because Crohn's is definitely not well understood and it does affect people's entire lifestyle. So to, to have somebody speaking out of about it is is always helpful to those people out there who are also afflicted. So yay, Cedric. One more reason to love a baseball boyfriend. Speaking of baseball boyfriends, it is that time of the show where we're going to pick our new guys. This is what we do in the offseason. We've been picking one guy per team. We do two a week, one AL and one NL. And it's because these guys are, there's something special. There's something that we like about them. We want to hang out and have a beer with them, get to know them a little bit better. And then we're going to carve our fantasy baseball teams out of our baseball boyfriend picks at the end of this offseason. 
And this week we are up to the Blue Jays and the Reds. And I'm always looking for a sign, especially because this baseball boyfriend research can get exhaustive. Um, you know, the number one thing is we want to check to make sure they're not assholes, that they haven't been any in, uh, involved in anything that we are um, uh, ethically opposed to, shall we say. And for the Blue Jays, there are very few teams where I knew who I was going to pick, you know, a couple weeks ago. And one was the Blue Jays, because I remember last year I picked Santiago Espinal, who didn't have much time on the Blue Jays. And as I was watching, paying attention to the Blue Jays over the season, I kept thinking to myself, why the fuck did I not pick Teoscar Hernandez? Like I kicked myself for this so many times last year because Teo had a fantastic year last year. So Teoscar Hernandez is going to be my guy this year. He's going to keep it up. I know it. He's 29 years old, right fielder. The other reason why um, I picked Teo or, or that was like a sign to me is that this is my hat trick, right? So this is my trifecta after picking Kike Hernandez and Cesar Hernandez. No relation. I don't think any of them are related. I'm 99% sure, but I've got... <laughs> One more Hernandez to complete the trio. And I did pretty well with the other two. So I'm thinking that there's got to be a little bit of gold in that name. I'm wearing my Kike Hernandez uh, jersey right now just because I've got that Hernandez on the back. So Teo... The one thing that I was afraid was going to blow this pick with me was he signed with the Astros. So he was with the Astros for a while. He was an international free agent, age 18 in 2011. It was a good class, actually, with baseball boyfriends. Others in that class included Ronald Guzman, who was my Rangers boyfriend our first season, and Alberto Montesi, who's my current Royals guy. Um, it's interesting with these international signings that we talked very recently about how young these guys are and what they look like. There's some talk about him at that age saying, like, he, he almost felt like he was done. Like he said, if he didn't sign by the time he was 19, he was just going to go on to study engineering. Like he was going to give up on this baseball thing because that's yeah, right. Because right, you're washed up at 18, right? <laughs> but luckily <laughs> he was drafted. So he was in the Astro system for a while. He played some in 2016. Interestingly, he debuted against Toronto. Hmm. A little foreshadowing yeah. there. Two for four in his debut with an RBI. And he played 41 games in 16. In 2017, though, so this is where, where we're getting a little bit into hmm, involved in Astros and and could it be part of the, the whole scandal? But he was in the minors for most of 17. He was only up for one game. He came up. Oh, I think he's yeah. fine. I feel like he's so, fine. But the funny thing is that he has a ring for it. <laughs> so he came up when um, Jake Marisnik <laughs> went on the DL. And that game, he had a bad collision with Jose Altuve, and he ended up on the DL. So by the time that he oh was God. better, Jake was better. So Jake came up, and then he was traded to Toronto. So he still got the World Series ring, but I do not feel like it's tainted. I think he's okay, right? If, and if you give it a the okay, I, yes. think, I think I'm good. I, I absolutely approve that one. Excellent. Whew. So he becomes a free agent in 24, and there's a lot of talk about Blue Jays fans about trying to hang on to this guy. He's from the Dominican Republic, from an area called Cotuí, and he grew up – he doesn't have the same um, – story as many of the Dominican players. He was actually sort of middle class. His dad was a businessman. His mom worked in a clothing store. And I found a cute video interviewing both his parents. And they've got like all the, the wall 
of articles and pictures about their son, and they were being interviewed for Lidon, the Dominican League. He played for Toros del Este, which I've got to admit is my absolute least favorite team for that league because they have a lot of Yankees players, so I have a little bit of a grudge against them. He was playing with them from 2013 through 18, but apparently it's like his family's team. So his parents were fans, so they were talking about, you know, being fans of the Toros and also the importance of humility and and how he was doing really well, but their family value that they were encouraging with him is like, you can be good, but you need to stay humble about it. He was a Dominican All-Star in 2015. So after that trade to the Blue Jays, he did not stand out at first. And in 18 and 19, he sort of had mediocre averages, but he could hit bombs. He had 22 home runs in 18 and 26 in 19, despite his averages being in like the 230s. And then 2020 was a breakout year. And then 20, though, you know, everybody takes with kind of a grain of salt because it was a shortened season. He was slashing 289, 340, 919 with 16 home runs. So that means he was having a home run for every 11.9 at bat. Somebody else did that math, so you don't have to be impressed. But that was the fourth best in the league. And then he won his first silver slugger, which he followed up with last year. He had a, he had a rocky start to 21, and uh, partly due to COVID. That unfortunately, he contracted COVID along with his wife and son, but then bounced back and ended up averaging 296 and uh, 346, 870 rounds out that slash line. And very um, notably, he made the all-star team. And I think that's when I was really like, oh, my God, how could I not be aware of this guy? But it was kind of, you know, a, a surprise to those of us who aren't following the Blue Jays that closely. He was on that all-star start, starting lineup with my former boyfriend, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And this is also part of the reason why I picked Leo. Like, it's it's this boyfriend, and I think that's just that all the Blue Jays are former boyfriends at this point, this like boyfriend club. So Vladdy and Bo Bichette and Teo were all in the All-Star game. And there's a really cute picture of them FaceTiming with my other former boyfriend, Lourdes Guriel. So they're all like just like this crew and they're cute and they're funny and they play around together. And that's like the spirit that I always love. And uh, and Vlad famously also became the MVP, the youngest MVP of the, of the All-Star game that year. And Teo wanted to get a little bit of credit for it because he said, when I was at third and he was hitting, I was ready to score because he needed that RBI to get one more chance to win the MVP. So he's like ready to, to score at, if at all possible to help his <laughs> I'm buddy. Here for you, exactly. <laughs> and so he said, if he wins the MVP, he has to give me something, not half, but something <laughs> like this. I've helped him out with it. And there's comparisons to the Jose Bautista Edwin Encarnacion duo because they were two famous Dominicans who played for years for the Blue Jays together from 2010 through 16. And so it's they've got Vladdy and Teo have got that sort of like brotherly thing. There's a great mic'd up video that I'll put in the show notes. And Vladdy's even godfather to Teo's oldest son, Teo Jr. So it's totally about the character. There's lots of videos with them j joking around in the dugout, duct taping Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to a chair to keep him calm on the first day that he like had to sit out after playing 160 games straight or something like that and just trying to keep him <laughs> under control. Him giving uh, the, the cop next to the dugout a bunch of baseballs to hand to little kids. And then 
an interview with ESPN where he he says what what I love about this this like gang together that we're like family. We always take care of each other if someone needs to be lifted up. So it's that like that spirit you want to be having fun while playing. And then he was asked who is the funniest and without a beat he answered me. He likes biking. He has a lovely wife, Jennifer, and two adorable little kids, Teoscar Jr. and Mateo Javier. And that is, I'm excited to see Teoscar Hernandez this year. He's going to be good. I love that pick. That is a fantastic pick. And if you hadn't picked him, I might have for sure. But you're right. We did sort of pick, we picked a lot of the guys. A lot of the the guys that we're pretty sure are going to play this year have already been um NCIB boyfriends. Um, I just wanted to do one quick tangent about using the word trifecta because <laughs> I've noted, you know, cause you know, I, I learned the word trifecta with horse racing, hmm. right? So it's like, you know, a cross training where it's from another sport in my head it's from another sport. And I have noticed watching sports the past couple of weeks, because I watched my one football game, which will end up being two football games. Yeah. Um, in football, somebody was referring to like a touchdown pass as a home run <laughs> and then watching Olympic hockey this morning or yesterday, I can't remember which day it was, where they were talking about a goalie saying they pitched a shutout. <laughs> and I'm thinking for people who don't know sports well already, and frankly, you're going to get more of those watching the Olympics and watching playoff games than you do regular season games or people for whom this is a second language, whether it's English or sports, right. it's a second language. How confusing can you possibly be? But I'm going to go with trifecta too, because <laughs> my pick for the Blue Jays is Kevin Biggio, who's the third of the, hey, my dad's a famous baseball player and I now play for the for the but Blue Jays know. guy, right? So Kevin um, is 26. He's listed as um, third base. I think he's more super utility. Um, and he absolutely completes the set because, in fact, we have already selected Vladdy. And then I had I had Bo Bichette previously. So we've this is the, the third and final of that particular trifecta. So, yeah. So Kevin is son to Craig Biggio, Hall of Famer with the Astros for a bazillion years, one of the greatest Astros of all time. Um weird fun fact that I just learned today was he was born two weeks after the last baseball strike ended. Ooh. Wow. Which I got to say wouldn't have mattered for anything except that, you know, yikes, we're in a weird spot right now. And right? I feel old. So, <laughs> well, there's that, but we feel old yeah. all the time. See, um, junior potty <laughs> mouth above. Right. But, um, so it took two weeks for his parents to name him because apparently <laughs> Craig took the list of possible name choices. He's, you know, apparently there's like, there's a lot of Irish and they wanted a good Irish name. They took the list of choices and he shared it with his Astros teammates and they didn't like any of them. <laughs> so it took them two weeks to negotiate this. And finally they picked one of those names on that list anyway, no matter what the other Astros said and named him Cabin. And they're very happy about that. Sits. But there you go. So don't don't give your friends that much influence because apparently his older brother Connor referred to him as baby for two weeks, <laughs> as opposed to awesome. calling him by a name. So they grew up in Houston, um, baby Kevin <laughs> and Connor and also their sister Quinn grew up in Houston because that's where dad was playing for the Astros. And they all all three of them played a ton of sports, a ton of sports, including um uh, Kevin playing baseball and football for four years at St. Thomas High School, lettered all four wow. years. Because, of course, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you be that good if you are now a professional athlete? Um, all three of them 
didn't so much like the fact that no matter what sport they played, everybody referred to them as Craig Vigio's mm. kid. Because either that set the bar too high and you felt weird about it, or you felt like a chip on your shoulder, like, please see me for me. Or people outright said, you'll never be as good as your dad. Ouch. Uh, so yeah, kids suck, yeah. right? Yep. Yep. So they, you know, because they lived in Houston, I mean, sometimes families don't live in like the home, like where the the player plays in the, for their home, uh, where the home games are. But this case they did. So they went to a lot of the games. And apparently, according to their mom, um, that Connor, the older brother, his his thing at all games was trying desperately to get on the video screen, <laughs> which may or may not be how one or more of us behave at <laughs> baseball games. But Kevin was absolutely laser focused on every single play. What he loved watching every little bit of the game, and that that did play out later in their careers. Both of them um, did fake post game news conferences regularly in the cl- in the clubhouse. <laughs> And both of them were were bat boys for the Astros. Um, uh, sorry, sorry, Quinn. Sorry, Sister Quinn. But um, Quinn played like seventeen thousand sports. Apparently, she started playing sports before any of them did. And um, I don't know if she's still at Notre Dame. She may still be, but a college softball player at Notre Dame. So yay for you, Quinn. Um, Kevin was drafted by the Phillies in the 29th round in 2013, you know, out of the high school round. But he said, nope, I'm going to Notre Dame instead, which was partly because his brother Connor was at Notre Dame and partly because his mom said, you really need to go to college. Yay, mom. So there's that. Yay, mom. Um, In 2016, that was the college, you know, that when he was drafted in the fifth round by Toronto, by that time his brother, who had had an, a late draft pick, like he he was drafted really low a, a year or two before and didn't go. Went to school, you know, stayed and went to school, went to grad school stuff. He was actually interning at the office of the baseball commissioner, and so during the the draft. His brother was the one that got to call his name when he was the pick. Whoa. I wonder if there's anybody else who's ever been in that situation. Like that sounds super unique. I doubt it because, and I, you know, and, and uh, Kevin didn't know that was going to happen. He was like listening. He's like, oh, I know that voice. So So isn't that cool? So, yeah. So his double A season in 2018, he was the Eastern League Rookie of the Year and the MVP. Um, he started the 2019 season at AAA Buffalo, but was only there until May when he got his call up. But he was hitting 307 in AAA, which is probably why his call up was in May. He debuted against the Padres um, on the 26th. His first hit, um, and then I'm sorry, his first hit was I think it was the next day. He had his, his first um, major league hit. His second hit was a home run. His dad was in the stands for that game when he got Aww. his first hit and his first home run. And he said, having the roles reversed was like everything I ever wanted. Like having my dad there watching me was like what I wanted ever since I was a kid. So that was like really cool. That was like super meaningful for him that his dad got to be there. Anyway, so that that same debut in May of 2019, that Kevin and Vladdy had already been called up. So Kevin and Vladdy became the first teammates who were sons of Hall of that's Famers. That's cr- a crazy stat. Like, that's so got to be so cool. I got one more coincidence for you that I like. Um, possibly even better. I can't decide. So Craig hit, Craig Vigio hit for the cycle in 2002. And ever since he was a kid, Kevin had the ticket stub for that game on his bedroom wall, his childhood wow. bedroom wall. So 2019, his rookie season, 
Cavan hits for the cycle against the As O's. A rookie. Making them not the first, but the second father-son duo after Daryl and Gary Ward to hit for the to each hit for Crazy. the cycle. His mom was there. This was at um Orioles Park at Camden Yards. His mom was there. His dad was home with the dogs <laughs> watching it on TV. Because somebody had to be home with the dogs, right? So um like how cool is that? Absolutely. So he had been um, a second baseman. But when uh, Marcus Simeon joined the Blue Jays, obviously he was mm-hmm. going to be second base. So um, so Kevin got bumped to third base. Now that Simeon is, you know, gone, he's, is he going back to 3B? Maybe not. Maybe your last year's pick. Es- um, yeah, Espinal. Espinal. San- yeah, Santiago Espinal. Espinal, maybe the third baseman. It could be. It could be Biggio. But Biggio is you know, absolutely super utility. So they can put him anywhere. They had him playing a little bit of outfield too. Hmm. So we'll see. He had a lot of injuries last year. Last season was not a good season for him. Um, one of the other things I like about him is his mom's name is Patty. <laughs> and um, that's always goes well, but he wears an ID bracelet that she gave him that on the um, flip side is engraved the words gratitude, fortitude, and kindness, which I like very much. So he said growing up, his dad was always his hero. He always wanted to be his dad. But his mom was the one who was always there. And she's the one who still gets the first phone call when anything happens. And so he said, dad's my hero. Mom is my go-to. And one of the more most recent uh, community uh, philanthropy things that he's been doing is um, he's been working with um, Little League call-up grants, which is raising money to cover registration fees. So kids who wouldn't ordinarily be able to afford to play Little League baseball or softball, any of those things can get that paid for. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Nice pick. Wow. Blue Thank Jays. You. I mean, that's a hot team. Makes uh, It always makes me nervous when I think about an AL East team being <laughs> this good because of my dear Well, sure. Yeah. So we'll go over to the National League now with the Reds. I will open my second beer here. And I think this is a Golden Goat. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Golden Goat. It's a blonde, blonde Bach from Silver Branch Brewery. Oh, yay. Oh, hey, you know what? I never announced my beer and I'm almost done with it. I actually went to the back of the fridge. I forgot I had this. It was actually one of my favorite beers of all time, which is Denison's Southside um, IPA, which is a rye IPA, which I absolutely love. So it's made me happy and I forgot I had it. I'm really happy I dug it out. Awesome. Fun beers in the back of the fridge. That's a good thing. Good plan. All right. I am going with Kyle Farmer, shortstop, 31 years old. And it's because I have the theme of a trifecta or hat trick or whatever cross training uh, (laughs) euphemism we're going to call it. So control F is now my friend now that we have a spreadsheet and I can quickly search to make sure that we haven't picked a guy before. Uh, because that's part of our baseball boyfriend rules is that we can only hang into one guy each year. So when I put in Kyle, I have two previous boyfriends with Kyle in their name, Austin. Are you doing that again? Austin Kyle Nola and Kyle Lewis. So I've got my third Kyle here, even though Austin Kyle is a bit of a stretch, but we're we're just going to go with it. So Kyle Farmer, he was a a multi-sport dude in high school and he played, he was a quarterback on his high school football team in Atlanta. And the reason why this is notable is because it got him a cameo role in a movie, a movie that I have never seen, The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock. Have you seen it? Heard of it? Yeah. You've seen it? I, the book is better because Michael Lewis and Michael Lewis books are uh, always better. But sure. Yes, I have also seen it. All right. Well, I guess I've got to get busy because he's he's not on the credits. The for my, So my first thing is I went to IMDb to sort of like fact check this when I saw it and his name didn't come up. 
And the reason why, and here we have another mom hero, his mom almost stopped the filming. So basically they needed like football scenes and somebody who could play football and it was filmed there and somehow he fell into it. But his mom, being the smart one, was worried about the effect on his NCAA eligibility if he were playing sports in a movie. And I have no idea what the legal background of that is. Huh. But yay for mom for Good picking it up. Good to raise the question. Yep. So yes. it turns out that it was an issue. But as long as he wasn't paid or credited in the movie, it was okay. So at this point, it's just like a story that comes up once in a while because his name can't be <laughs> on IMDb. He didn't get paid for it. Wow. But he does talk about meeting Sandra Bullock and, and being very impressed by Miss Bullock at the time. So he – here's an because she was Miss Bullock because he was like, you know, 20 years younger than she was. Pretty right? much. Yeah. Pretty much. I think so. And here's another one of like family uh, in pushing the, the college route first. He was inspired by his family to go to college first. So he did four years at University of Georgia at shortstop. And that was his position. And that's what he had done through high school. That's where he was in Georgia. And then he was drafted by the Dodgers as a catcher. And this is kind of inexplicable to me. And I don't think I looked into it enough because he had never actually played catcher, either in high school or in college. That's really unusual because that's a very specialized position. Super weird. He said he had to go back to Georgia, steal catcher's gear, and come back and wear catcher's <laughs> gear for the tryout. Somehow, though, this is another dude who just kind of rolls with it and doesn't get phased. And so he, I guess, you know, I, there's a chance you can be catcher. I'm going to go try to be catcher. So he debuted in July of 2017 with a two-run walk-off double in the bottom of the 11th against the Giants. So if you're a Dodgers player, to debut in the bottom of the 11th with a walk-off is pretty snazzy. And so the press, of course, was all yeah. over it. Kenley Jansen, the closer, famously, um, was interviewed after the game and said, what's his name? Hit a double to right field. Like the kid had just <laughs> debuted. He had never met him before. He had no idea. That and guy. then poor, you know, and then poor Kenley Jansen gets like roasted for it. And so he retweeted saying, Kyle came up. Big man is what I meant to say. Great game, bro. So uh -huh. he was mostly a pinch hitter that year. And 2018, he played most of his games actually at third base, only 24 games with 22 at third base. So versatile and willing to do whatever. And I want to have a beer not only with his smart mom, but with his wife, Courtney, because she was the first one who kind of said to him that, you know, the Dodgers might not be your spot right now, especially at shortstop. Like you want to go somewhere else where you could have a bigger role. So he kind of put himself into the 2018 big trade where he and Yasiel Puig and Alex Wood and Matt Kemp went to the Reds for Homer Bailey, Jeter Downs, who's my Red Sox guy. So what comes around? And Josiah Gray, our new hero of the Nationals, who we're going to be loving this year. For sure. So then also, once he got over to the Reds, it was his lovely wife, Courtney, who said, you speak up about playing shortstop. Like, that's your position. So he spoke to manager David Bell about playing shortstop, shortstop and it, it happened. So that's, that's where it looks like he's going to be for next year. Um, being the versatile guy, guy that he is, not only playing catcher and third base and shortstop, he pitched the final four outs of a blowout game against the Cubs last in August 2019. 
And it was one of those deals where the pitches were so slow that they didn't register. So who knows what the speed was, but he got four outs. Like that, there's a great video about it, of, like these swinging strikes. And, you know, it's just this curveball, I guess, super slow curveball. Um, and he ended up being the first Reds player to pitch and catch in the same game since 1936. So he played a little bit in 19 and 20, but 2021 <laughs> was his first full season and not bad. His average was 263, rounding that out 316, 416 slash line. And he's a good guy. So I found little pockets of good guy stuff, nothing huge, but I did see a post from 2019 where he was auctioning off his gear his used and new gear to support uh, Bahamas hurricane relief. And there were also some, some posts of him doing some children's hospital visits. And of course, the most important Reds review to me is my first Reds boyfriend and everybody's Reds boyfriend, really, Joey Votto, talking about how he is that kind of guy who just goes with it. He just doesn't get shaken. He doesn't get rattled by stuff. He said, it's that sort of personality and demeanor that style of play that is, in my opinion, infectious. So like that kind of confidence and just willing to do whatever it takes is a good influence in the dugout with everyone else. He has adorable baby boy, McCoy James Farmer, who was born September 10th, 2021. Lovely. Yeah, these are really good picks. I'm really I'm impressed with your picks. This, this is week. what I love about about our show is like finding these guys that I just wouldn't have been paying attention to at this stage any like yep. but but maybe in the middle of the season when they start busting out, it'll be like, huh, we, we found that. Huh. Yeah. It's like, huh. Yeah. So um, speaking of beer, I need an addendum to my story <laughs> about the Biggio family. Um, Patty Biggio met Craig. She wasn't Biggio then. Met Craig Biggio in college when she was working as a bartender and he came to the bar. So I am oh, that's cool. completely 100% confident that I could have a beer with mm -hmm. any of the members of the Biggio family. They seem to be pro-adult beverage, you know, and I mean that in all the best ways. Cheers in all the best ways. Cheers to that. So our, my Red's boyfriend is somebody that I talked about once before. Hmm. And so I'm going to repeat a little bit of one story. Um, but I picked him for QHAR, great flow, and two specific stories. So my Red's boyfriend for this year is TJ Friedel, who's 26, plays left field. So he has a very unusual path to the major leagues. He walked on to the University of Nevada, Reno, baseball team he was huh. a good player in high school but like he's been like the invisible man off and on as far as scouts as far as whatever so he's had to like find his own path he's had to make his way he's had to find his path right so he walked on to the baseball team and he did okay his freshman year so he took a red shirt year his sophomore year right to preserve his eligibility because they had said you're probably not going to play very much. So mm -hmm. we said, you know, instead of a couple of pinch hitting and a whatever this year, I'll wait it out and, you know, work on my skills and all of this and not play. And that way I'll have that extra year of eligibility. And sure enough, he improved so much that he got a scholarship for his junior year, right? So he walked on the first year, so that was not a scholarship. Then he redshirted and then scholarship for his junior year. And, and then that year was his third year. There was an absolute breakout year. He was 11th in the country for collegiate players with a 401 Whoa. average. He was second in the country for triples, which is right up yeah. your particular alley. And then it gets weird because of that red shirt year. He 
there were there were mistakes. Mistakes were made. <laughs> shall we say mistakes were made everywhere about his draft eligibility. So if you go to college, right? You can get drafted right out of high school, but if you choose to go to college, your next opportunity is if you are 21 years old or you have three years of eligibility. Specifically, it's academic eligibility. It's not athletic eligibility. So he had been in school for three years. You know, he took classes while he was a red shirt. He just didn't play ball. He thought it was athletic eligibility. So he didn't think that he was eligible for the draft. And so he wasn't out getting put out there. The whole red shirt thing screwed everybody up. It screwed, like nobody understood that he was eligible. He had planned to go back to school for his senior year. He was going to be the team captain. He was ready to go. So he, you know, that summer he started, he went to the Northwood Summer League, which is, you know, the equivalent to, you know, the Cape Cod League and the our local Cal Ripken League and all those summer baseball leagues. He um, tried out and made Team USA that summer so he could play, you know, on the, like the representing the USA and on all these international tournaments. And at those tryouts, scouts are absolutely there. And he had people say, um, you know, you actually are draft eligible. Oh man. Yeah. That's how we found out. Yeah. But it was like Oof. a week before the draft. Oh shit. And he's like, I can't, I've got plans. I can't. And he, he felt like I'm responsible to, you know, I told my college team I'm coming back and all of this oh, stuff. And that's nice. Then he's, but then all of these scouts who saw them were like, oh my God, he's amazing because he blossomed. Right. So, so they watched him on these tryouts. They watched him play for team USA and all of these offers started coming in because now if you don't go through the draft, you're a free agent, any team, can try to sign you. And so his family got him an agent so they could look at these things. And even his college coach said, you're getting offers. If you don't sign those contracts, I'm going to come down there and sign them for you. Wow. You don't have responsibility towards us. You, if this is your oh, chance, that's sweet. there's no telling that you're going to have this chance next year. So even his agent said, it's so bizarre. Almost nobody knew this kid was eligible for the draft, including <laughs> himself. He ended up signing for like 700 and some thousand dollars, which was the largest bonus ever given to an undrafted free agent. And one of the articles I read said, it's like blood from a turnip because since <laughs> the draft was over, they had used, all these teams had used most or all of their pool money to pay for the people they drafted. So they had to cobble together, where is this money coming from? And the Reds gave him the best deal. So he, you know, this was, he was on Team USA, so he was playing for them, and they said, "Okay, well, we want you to." So it's mid-season; it's July, right? We want you to come to Billings to play on the play rookie ball with the Mustangs. When's your last game? And he's like, "Well, basically, he would have had like two days of rest between international tournaments with Team USA." And I'm like, "Are you sure?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm ready to go." So he went to Billings from his Team USA gig. And his very first game in rookie ball, he went three for three, including two Holy homers. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. I wonder what that third so, game was. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So this past year, the 2021 season with the Louisville Bats, he was the MVP. He got the Mary E. Barney MVP award for the Louisville Bats as MVP of the 2021 season. His call up to the Reds was you know, mid September, it was September 18th because both of our current boyfriends on the Reds for the, for the past year went on the mm. IL. 
Winker and Akiyama both went on the IL. And so um, TJ Friedel was one of the guys they called up. So he's coming to the Cincinnati airport. His mom is flying into Cincinnati to see his, you know, his call up game. And they bumped into each other at the airport. Like he, he spotted her on the escalator going to baggage. <laughs> And so apparently he and and another player also got his call up, snuck up on her and got a video of like, hi, hi, mom, which was apparently very sweet. The the other story, other than the bizarre draft story, is the one that we told um, last season when he hit his first home run on the 19th of September, second game against the Dodgers. It flew over Mookie Betts' head and he said, this is this kid's first home run. So this is the story where Mookie got the guy who caught the ball to throw it back. And instead of having TJ Friedel having to do these negotiations with this guy, this guy just threw it back. And, and Mookie Betts was so impressed with his, of course, it's the right thing to do, that Mookie went and got one of his own bats and autographed it and handed it up to Yay, the guy. Yay, Mookie. So these, so um, apparently Mookie and TJ are um, pals Aww. now because of this, this act of kindness. Um so TJ Friedel's cousin, um, John Calipari, is the head coach of Kentucky basketball. And so he invited, when they were in Las Vegas, he invited both TJ and Mookie to come together to talk to his team on the importance of being selfless. So how about wow. that? How about that for some cross training right there? The other thing, um, one of the other things that I like about this guy um, is because he plays hard. He plays hard. He was talking about um, Lenny Dykstra being one of his heroes. And also his dad <laughs> really liked, well, okay. But his dad also liked uh, Pete Rose, which you can go eat yeah. but the But the part that they liked was okay. this. When they were on the field, their size didn't matter because, and they're talking about Lenny Dykstra specifically in this first part. His size didn't matter because he was tough as nails and his uniform was always dirty. After watching him play, I told myself if I came home and my uniform wasn't dirty, I didn't play the game the right way. That is one characteristic of Lenny Dykstra that I can admire. One. <laughs> and, and and Pete. So, so you know, but that's yeah. that's the part. That's the hardworking. That's the, if you're going to play this game, you're going to play this yeah. game hard. You're going to put everything into this game. He has a gorgeous wife, um, Andressa, and they had their first son oh. in October who, um, I'm going to go ahead and say the word adorable because nothing's cuter than a baby. So next week. Are you ready to talk about a Red Sox? I am boyfriend? not. I am not. But I'm gonna yeah. get ready because that's always, you know, my most exciting week of the year. But holy shit! Yee. Wow. Yeah, we got Red Sox and Hammers, Hammers. next week, so stay tuned, my wow. friends. All right, I'm gonna try to be quick about the Serie del Caribe, I, which I am super sad is over. And if you've been uh, listening to our shows the past few weeks, I've been gushing about what's been going on with Latin American baseball. And holy shit, what an ending. If you all miss these games, I'm going to be trying to look them up on YouTube or whatever. But nobody, nobody would have guessed that Colombia would have taken it all. Colombia, represented by the Caimanes de Barranquilla, that's the crocodiles of Barranquilla, they entered the Serie de Caribe. For their third year, so it was their third time playing, they had not won a game. They were 0 for 10. Unbelievable. It's crazy. And they busted out right away with some really impressive wins, including over the Dominican Republic in the round robin. And they led the round robin until the very end. They lost to Mexico and they lost to Puerto Rico, which 
uh, for the record, was the team that I was hoping would win, and it was they actually came in last place. <laughs> their their loss, oh. their oh. the the Caimanes loss oh. to Puerto Rico was Puerto Rico's only win. A little bit of props to Puerto Rico on their way out. They were giving away uh, their equipment, gloves, like the small stuff, but gloves and some other things to kids right outside of the dugout. So yay for our uh, Criollos de Caguas. They didn't quite shine on the field, but they shone on their way off. Anyway, at the end of the round, Robin, the team that was in the first place was Dominican Republic, who were four for one because there were five games in the round, Robin. Venezuela, Colombia, and Mexico were all tied three for two. So then the semis come with the matchups. So the Dominican Republic played Mexico. Venezuela played Colombia. I thought, like, you know, amazing that Colombia made it this far. They're playing against the Venezuelan team that had Pablo Sandoval and Williams Estudio and had been super high. Not only did they right. win, they they crushed them. They beat them eight to one in that semifinal. Were they using the same players or did they swap out like their entire I team? Did the, I mean, everybody was the same. It was constant i i don't Damn. know what happened there dominican republic magic magic yeah, happened. absolute magic dominican republic the favorite from the start and who last week i predicted to win they are the home team and they were really good and so they won over mexico mexico so then it was like okay dr against colombia this is the end and i thought but I was rooting for Colombia at this point because what a story. Colombia came out. We love an underdog. Yeah, they, they came out swinging, so to say. They were up three to nothing by the third inning. It was crazy. And they beat the Dominican Republic at the at their home, in their stadium. Absolutely nuts. So who who is this um like amazing breakthrough team? Their shortstop, Sung Che Cheng, is from Taiwan. Which I thought was his, like I the, I believe the only Taiwanese player in the Serie del Caribe. He's a Pirates prospect, signed in the over the 1920 international signing. So he missed 2020 because he was minors then. Delayed debut in in 21 because he was hit in the head right away. But he yeah. got a home run in his first at bat of the the Florida League. Had some sexy defense, and apparently the Pirates have some Colombian connections. So he was sort of like sent down there for winter ball to All get right. some practice. So keep an eye out for Chang. He's a fast guy, and he went four for 18 in the round robin, one for three in the semis. The big story is the MVP of the whole fucking thing was Reynaldo Rodriguez, 35 years old, 35 year old player. He had actually been drafted by the Yankees in 2006 and then kind of got batted around the minors for a while. He was in the Jeez. Boston system. He was in the twin system, never made it above AAA. But in this series, he batted 500 through everything. <laughs> he batted 500 in the round robin. He batted 500 in the semifinals. And he batted 500 in the final game. Unfucking real. He is playing in Mexico in, instead of MLB, the ML, LMB. So keep an eye on him this season, especially if we don't have um, MLB to watch in the beginning. I think I'm going to be watching a lot of Mexican <laughs> ball. He led the sure. league last year in Mexico in stolen bases with 21. And reminder that the Mexican main league plays at the same time as MLB. So 21 stolen bases in a season is pretty impressive. The pitcher, Elkin Alcala, 
absolutely fucking heroic to come in there against the DR in their stadium, made it five and two thirds innings with four hits and no runs at that point. They pulled him with a guy on second and then Robinson Cano came up and Robinson Cano was hot, hot, hot on this. So I was actually talking to a Mets fan last night thinking like, is how much play is he going to get for the Mets this year? He did really well in this offseason. So Cano clearly gets the RBI. It's like the one, you know, mark on Alcala's outing, but still super impressive. This is a guy who was in single A in 2019 with the Marlins and then nothing for 20. He went to play ball in Italy to get some play time. And then he went to Columbia. He's a free agent now. I'm I'm wondering, you know, actually there's some minor league signings happening now for people who have been who are shining in the winter leagues and I'm wondering if he's going to be one of them. My biggest shining moment for the the Colombia team was Sandy Leon because of like loving him from 2018 Red Sox. He did fantastic in the final game. He walked twice in a hit. He was 2 for 4 in the semis, but the big influence he had was behind the plate, right? He's an experienced catcher. And even the manager, Jose Mosquera, gave him the credit for, you know, it it makes a big difference with these young pitchers having this guy behind the plate. The pitching team overall in the Serie for for Colombia had a 148, 146, sorry, ERA. That was the overall average of all the pitchers. They let up 16 runs in seven games. So I'm sad it's over. They did list the all-stars of the Serie A. And this is kind of weird, even though Colombia ran away with it at the end. Out of the all-star team, six of them are Dominican, including Cano, <laughs> who was True. batting 4-12 in the round robin, went two for three in the semis, one for four in the finals, had eight RBI, and then Jose Siri, who like had this hip thrust celebration, which was mighty entertaining, may I say. And th- there was actually one play where Mr. <laughs> Potty Mouth was like, that play was oh, wait, not. No, it, it was it was it was a hip thrust, not a hip. So swivel. I'm not sure. It was a little bit of both. It I a, a thrusty swivel, swivelly thrust. I'm not, thrusty swivel. <laughs> I'm not okay. quite sure. Right. I'm not quite okay. sure. But it got to the point okay. where Mr. Potty Meth was like criticizing. I mean, did it make you want to dance or did it make you want to yeah, dance? Absolutely. I mean, but it was, it was also okay. like, like <laughs> when do you use it? Right. So Mr. Potty Meth was like criticizing him. Like that was not a hip thrust play. Like you shouldn't have done it then. But then there were some plays that really deserved it. So he made the all-star anyway. So keep an eye on him on the Astros this year. Um, the two Venezuelans all-stars were neither of the guys that we had an eye on. They didn't quite shine in the Serie. Huh. Of the two Colombians, it was the manager and Renaldo, uh, one from Mexico, one from Panama. So our last word of the week, I don't know if I should keep this up now that the 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 winter season is over, but we've been doing this Spanish word of the week with baseball, and there's so much vocabulary still to go. But what kept jumping out at me as I was watching the the especially the final is the announcer at the end of every play would say, y se quedó con ella. And so ella means she in Spanish. And so literally that means he he stayed with her, which sounds weird. Like, why is he saying that at the end of the play? So uh, nouns in Spanish have gender, right? So la pelota, the ball, is she. So se quedó con ella means that he kept the ball, like he got the ball. He has the out. So that was the end of each inning. You could hear the announcer saying, y se quedó con ella for that last out. Yep. 
I don't think I'm going to remember yeah. that one. That's a well, hard one. Well, you can one. remember maybe La Pelota, which is the ball. La, La Pelota. Pelota. Okay. That, that'll be the one I, that sticks with me. Do you feel bereft? Oh, bereft I feel very bereft. International balls, like over for I a couple of weeks? I am super. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, especially we'll see what happens with, with um, MLB, but I feel like I'm going to be playing more, paying more attention to Mexican baseball next season because a lot of these players are going to be there. And, you know, if if you're a winter league player trying to decide what to do for this year and you could get either like a minor league contract or you could go play in Mexico, what are you going to do? Like Mexico's right. looking pretty good right about now. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to play or do you not yeah. want to play? So I don't know. I don't know. But last but not least for international news, the Dodgers are the first MLB team to sign players from Uganda. Uganda. Who knew? Yeah. Oh, so they knew? have two Ugandan players who are going to be in the minors. They're starting at the Dominican complex. And there's a third Ugandan signed as a trainer. So I just I love the idea of baseball spreading to all continents and everybody being able to be part of it. So I, I hope these guys get some playtime. Yep. For sure. Um, and I'm sure Disney will make a movie about them anytime <laughs> now. That's really super cool. Yep. Yay for that. Yay for that. So um, what do you have going on this week? Oh. Without, in the absence of international baseball. I, I'm very sad. I think I'm going to be looking up some of the the games that I missed to see if I can see some of this play because I am mm. super intrigued. Yeah. All right. What you All right. Well, I'm going to be um, – I'm going to be watching yeah. hockey because there's hockey almost every day. So um, women's hockey for the next few days, then it overlaps with men's hockey and then men's hockey. Okay. So, um, and I may have to, you know, watch the movie miracle again, just because I need it every four years, at least, at least every four years. So that's my plan for this week. Oh yeah. And also work. I remember work. Uh, I'm going to be doing yeah, work. Me too. For sure. And maybe this will be the week that I get the notes out to the current fantasy, um, team and members about re-upping it could happen but like i said i'm not in any hurry but it could happen it could happen so um friends out there if you are new to our show please feel free to listen to some back episodes like potty mouth is going to listen watch some back games from from winter ball listen to some past episodes please leave a review or a rating if you like tell your friends if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball and please find us on social media Hang out with us on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook, Facebook. I'm at the end of my second beer. Facebook and Instagram is no crying in wait, yeah, I'm right. No crying in B ball. Yep. Okay. Yep. You are right. I am. You are right. So that second beer was dangerous. Mm -hmm. Wow. I say I'm gonna this time I'm saving my second beer until after we're done. I think Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, Hey, if you haven't gotten boosted, you should, because it's the right thing to do. It'll keep you safer. It'll keep you healthier. It'll protect the people around you. Fight the man. It's the right thing to do. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Goodnight, potty mouth. So I have like, I I like I can, I don't know, comment or whatever, but I don't have anything intelligent to say, but that's never stopped me before.